Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface and to hold space for meaningful conversations. We're going to talk about life and love and basically everything in between. This is a place where done is better than perfect, where quality triumphs quantity, and where you can really just come as you are. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it, y'all? Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have fun too. Scout's honor. I promise you this. I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, you are so welcome. And before we get started, pause and make sure you're subscribed to the Refine Collective podcast on iTunes so that each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And if you're an old friend, um, welcome back. Hi there. I already know you're all subscribed and good to go. But would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be incredibly grateful for that. Now, I used to feel like all weird and awkward about asking you to do this, but then I listened to Oprah's podcast and even she asks her listeners to do it. In the podcast world, those subscribes and ratings and reviews really, really help us. So thank you in advance. You are the best. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, find me on Instagram at The Refined Woman or my podcast specific account at The Refined Collective and send me a message. I would absolutely love to hear from you. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. We are back. Another episode of The Refined Collective podcast and you are in for a real treat. I guess I say that all the time, but it's because I really believe it because I feel so lucky that I get to talk to some of the most badass people in the world, y'all. Um, this week, I had the pleasure of chatting with Jeremy and Adrian Camp. If you do not know who they are, get ready. They are like power couple. Jeremy Camp is a Grammy-nominated singer and songwriter, and he met Adrian while he was on tour. Adrian is a South African singer and songwriter and was the lead singer of the Christian rock band The Benjamin Gate and later recorded two solo albums. They have been married for 17 years and have two daughters and a son. Their movie, I Still Believe, launched in March 2020 of this year, which is about Jeremy's story with his first wife, Melissa. It is an incredible movie. I cannot remember the last time a movie made me cry so much. It's incredible. Go see it right now after this episode. On top of that, their book in unison just came out where they talk about keeping Jesus in the middle of their life and marriage and sharing God's love around the world any way they can. Um, They also founded a nonprofit together called Speaking Louder Ministries in efforts to share help and hope all across the globe. So yeah, these two definitely stay busy. And y'all, I'm going to be real. I drilled them. (laughs) We talked about their story, how they got together. And, you know, I had a couple. So, you know, I had to ask them some great questions like, can sexual attraction grow between people who start out just as friends? Um, How do you fight well? How do we set ourselves up for our future today? One of my favorite things that was said in this interview was near the end, Adrian said, we want the harvest, but we're not willing to do the hard work. So y'all gear up for some truth bombs, some laughter, and let's be real, me totally fangirling on these two because they're amazing. Today, for the first time ever, I didn't even tell you guys this, on the Refined Collective, we're having a couple, two people. So two birds, one stone. (laughs) Very, very excited about this. No pressure, guys. Um, First married couple on the podcast, Jeremy and Adrian Camp. Welcome, guys. Thanks thanks for having us. Hey, I like being the first. That's fun. I know. Hey, you know, you guys are going to, from now on, for the forever of Refined Collective podcast, be the standard. Remember remember when. (laughs) (laughs) absolutely um well gosh you guys have first of all i'm so excited to be chatting with you guys um 
I told you guys before we started recording that I'm like kind of fangirling over here and sweating a little bit because (laughs) (laughs) I have listened to both of y'all's music for decades now. And I became a Christian in 2002 and I, my like first concert that I went to was DC talk. And I'm pretty sure at the time, like Jesus freak had been out for 10 years. And I was like, guys, there's this new song. (laughs) <laughs> and everyone needs to listen to it. Um, but Benjamin Gate, oh my gosh. That's and amazing. oh my gosh, all your songs. I just, I just am like sweating right now because I'm so <laughs> excited to be talking to you guys. Um, and you guys have had like quite the year. Like I was reading through what you sent over to me and I still believe memoir came out in February. Yeah. Um, your movie, I still believe came out, which I saw um, the preview of it right before I went down to quarantine and KJ Apple was there and it was amazing. I bawled my eyes out. I think everyone did. (laughs) Um, And then your book that you guys wrote together just came out. You guys have three kids. Like (laughs) what the what? Like, hello, 2020. (laughs) Oh yeah. We're coming to 2020 hot. (laughs) We could be doing that for your quarantine. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about, yeah, let's talk about this year of y'all's. Um, I would first love to hear, I think I, I recognized someone sent me the, I still believe, um, trailer and yeah. I didn't know at first it was y'all's story. At first I was like, oh my gosh, this is the newest Nicholas Sparks movie because <laughs> like yep, here's KJ right. Appa, like we got Riverdale and the girl who plays next to him. Yeah. What's her name again? I'm sorry. Ray Robertson. Yes, she's in she's in some Nicholas Sparks movie. So I was like, oh, this is great. I love a good rom com. I instantly start crying in the preview and I'm like, wait, I recognize this story. Uh, and yeah. I was so excited to see it. So I would just love to maybe if you guys want to unpack a little bit of the heart behind I still believe and how you got there and what it's all about. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people I've been sharing my testimony for years. Um in two thousand one. Um, my wife, Melissa, went to be with Jesus. She had cancer. And so the whole story is basically how we met and, um, you know, that whole battle of her going through cancer and how I kind of walked through that time with her. And we had hopes, you know, that she was going to be healed and the whole story kind of walks through that whole thing. Um, And then, of course, you know, three and a half months in our marriage, she went to be with Jesus. And so the whole story is basically how we met, the battle going through that, and then the grief at the end of that. But then it kind of, at the end, leaves you with this amazing amount of hope and mm-hmm. because you see God's hand of faithfulness. And so, you know, I've, I've, you know, shared my story for years and wrote a book about it. But, you know, we got approached by um, the Irwin brothers who did I Can Only Imagine, that movie, mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. you know, did really, really well. And they said, hey, we've read your book. And we really think that your story could be a movie. And, you know, at first I was like, cool, I've, I've been down this road before and it didn't work mm-hmm. out. So I wasn't just jumping on the whole thing. Plus they hadn't finished. I can only imagine. Yes. So I wasn't sure you know, how they were going to do. And so you're like, is this going to be another cheesy yeah. Christian movie? That's exactly <laughs> what I thought. Yeah. So I was kind of like, sure, we'll talk about it. So it came out and was actually done really well and did really mm-hmm. well. And so we still didn't jump on it. We just said, Hey, let's, let's start chatting. And so they came to our house and talked to me and my wife and interviewed us for about four hours and basically walked out of the interview just going, we've got to do this film. We have to do this because I think, and they, what I love is they said, what sold us on the film and doing it was your wife (laughs) (laughs) me because of her heart, because she said something, she goes, I've been very protective of this story because God used this story to change Mm -hmm. my life. And so, you know, I think that, Right there was just a massive pivotal, pivotal point at the end of the mm-hmm. movie as well that you'll see. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's been a journey, you know, because here we are for two years, your blood, sweat and tears, you're pouring your heart into it, grief that gets brought up again and a lot of weeping mm-hmm. and warfare. And, but things were going amazing. I mean, it was, it was insane. God's hand of favor on this. The actors, Shania Twain plays my mom and, you know, Gary Sinise, Lieutenant Dan plays my dad and KJ, yes. you know, just all these, you know, amazing actors that decided to be involved in this. Mm-hmm. And so everything was going amazing. And then of course it comes out March 13th and mm-hmm. two days before that they declared a global pandemic. Yeah. And so it was rough, you know, because wow. here we are sharing, you know, the story that we've been, you know, really fighting for in a good way. 
and mm-hmm. it comes out and it was the number one movie in America on Friday night out of all movies, which was insane. Yeah. Um, and became number two throughout the weekend behind onward the Pixar movie. And so, yeah. and all of a sudden they started shutting down theaters and say, it was a test of, oh. of a lot of trust, you know, in the Lord and going, God, mm-hmm. this has been tough because we put so much into it. And now it's, it's, is it gone? Is it what's happening? Yeah. And of course, it comes out on video on demand came out March 27th. And, mm-hmm. um, we realized, Oh yeah, everyone's in quarantine. Can't go anywhere. <laughs> and here's a movie they can go to that. It's a story of hope that yeah. occurs the faithfulness of Jesus. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're just, we're hearing fruit from it. We're hearing people, you know, getting, you know, giving their life to Christ, people that are being very ministered to that have gone through and are going through hard times right now that are finding hope in the film. Mm-hmm. Which is very encouraging. So, you know, what I expected to happen and God's expectations um, and what he had in store were different, but I trust that he definitely has the best thing in store for greater impact. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And I, I mean, I thought about that for you guys. Um, I saw the movie like just a few days before I flew home to Dallas and I've been in Dallas now. My new reality is Dallas. Um, I definitely miss, (laughs) I miss New York and the friend that I went to see your movie with, um, him and his girlfriend got coronavirus a few days later. Um, So it was just, you know, kind of a crazy, crazy thing to like live through. Um, And it it just made me, I think one of the things is like, what do you do? Like when you, it's like you, this is your life, this is your story. And in a lot of ways, maybe like this movie is like part of the manifestation of a life's work. And then it's like nothing about it has unfolded the way like we thought we expected or, um, or however. (laughs) It's like, what do we do? And I think one of the things I've been thinking about in this time and as everything's been going on is what do I do? Where do I turn to when my life doesn't go the way I want it to or things don't unfold the way I planned or expected? And I think that's been a challenging thing for me to just kind of process through of like, wow, I actually feel like I have a lot more control over my life than I actually do. Right. And and that's the whole thing of the story as well is things didn't go the way it mm. was planned. We were supposed to get married and live happily ever after. Yeah. And, you know, it just was not, um, it wasn't God's plan. And, and this is one thing that I, I've been saying a lot that I love this saying that I don't always love God's tactics, mm. but I love his results. Mm. And I think that we have to understand that our idea of what it should be doesn't mean it's it's God's best because he, see, he, see, he sees things in light of eternity and how he can get the most glory and how people's lives can be changed. That's how he mm. sees things. And whenever it takes to get to that point in that song, that movie and that whole song that I wrote called I Still Believe has that even when I cannot see, I still believe. It's just going, God, mm. I don't know what you're doing here. It doesn't make sense, um, but I'm going to trust you because I know yeah. that you're good and I know you love me. And right. I've experienced that love in the midst of hard times. Mm. And so it is one of those didn't turn out the way we thought, but right. I have to truly say, okay, God, what are you teaching me through this? And, mm. and what are you going to do for greater impact? And we've, we've heard people say, you know, I wouldn't have taken my whole family because either it's too expensive or um, we don't really, really go out as a whole family to watch mm. movies. But because we're at home, we all watch a movie and there are six of us instead of two right. of us. And so more eyes are on it, watching it. Mm. And then they're sitting there talking about it and discussing it, going through suffering and going through questions and not things turning out the way that we expect, like that everyone's experiencing right now. So really, it's a good lesson, this movie of going, God, I'm going to trust you in the midst of uncertainty. And that's pretty much it. Absolutely. And I mean, for just, this is like my KJ Appa plug. Like, (laughs) oh my gosh. Like, I mean... I thought everyone did so good in the movie. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I'm turning 35 in a few months, and I have a sister that's in high school and a sister and in college. And all during coronavirus quarantine, we've been taking BuzzFeed quizzes. Like, we'll take these five questions and we'll guess your age. And I'm like always people are like, oh, you're 13. Cause I watch like <laughs> the bachelorette and I love like high school teen dramas. Um, and so I've like been a major fan of Riverdale and KJ Appa and, but seeing him in this movie, yeah. I just, holy 
cow. Yeah. Like he doesn't. I feel like I needed to write like a PSA to the Riverdale producers and be like, you guys need to like, like are using his acting abilities. Oh my gosh. Like, I mean, I was so impressed by him. Yeah. He, his dad even said, um, his dad came up to me and goes, I, I told KJ that his acting in Riverdale, yeah, it's here. And he goes, this, and he put his hand up really high, is way wow. up there. So his dad yeah, even gosh. was like, this was impressive to him. Um, oh gosh. Because they put their heart into it. You know, yeah, all of them did. did. I was going to say, oh. it was so sweet just to see. He was so invested. Yeah. And mm. I mean, on set is literally the sweetest guy on the planet and was just like heart and soul, so mm. passionate about getting his role right. And I think it really ministered to him as well. Mm. Story, like he really connected with it. So he was emotionally invested in it as well. And you can tell yeah. I mean, the chemistry between him and Brit is just so cute and phenomenal and amazing. Mm-hmm. And we adore them. Yeah. Massively. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I want to talk about y'all's love story um, and how you guys met and you guys have been married for 17 years, which I just first want to say congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> That's a really big deal. I feel like especially in culture today where, you know, we're just taught like instant gratification and like be a part of something as long as it's easy and it feels good. And I can only imagine in 17 years of marriage, there's been a few ups and downs. Right. Um, <laughs> so I'm just excited to hear about y'all's relationship. But first I have to ask, I don't want to give away the movie, even, you know, I'm not, this isn't gonna give away the movie, but at the end of the movie, it shows how you guys met. Right. Yes. And throughout the movie, there's like the theme of like stars. Yeah. And I just have to ask you, Adrian, were you really wearing a jean jacket with stars on it? <laughs> I was not, but, but. <laughs> but. I did have a belt with stars on it. And, okay. And um, she did have stars um, on her ceiling in yeah, her bedroom. Yeah, I, I was pretty – I really was actually pretty obsessed with stars. And the yeah. crazy thing is, is that the producers and the scriptwriters – Didn't know that. They didn't even know that when they wrote that. And so they just wrote it in, not knowing that it was actually true. Isn't that right? Which is crazy. Oh gosh, I love oh it. Gosh. I was like, I think I wrote in my phone. I was like, if I ever talk to them, I have to ask them. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. That's, that's <laughs> no, that that yeah. Um, well, why don't you guys kind of unpack like your story, how you met, how, what what's like, what is the camp story? Yes, I love that. <laughs> so um, I was born and raised in South Africa, and I came over to America for music. And um, in my early 20s, I was touring around and traveling nonstop with my band called The Benjamin Gate. And I had been on a few different tours, been touring for about a year and a half or so. And the tour that Jeremy and I met on was actually his very first tour, so he was a little newbie coming out in the industry. I used to open up for her, basically. <laughs> and um, and we met on the on the road, and we just kind of connected on totally a friendship level. I mean, mm-hmm. I was like creative, artsy rock chick, and Jeremy was super buff guy, <laughs> um, and it, not at all at all what I thought that I was going to end up with. I mean, she wanted to marry the the artsy creative kind of like totally head in the clouds th- guy yeah, and totally i'm like th- with your jock <laughs> dude jeremy like shoot straight is all in passionate you know and mm. um i just thought i was going to end up with some like artistic creative guy but anyway um it was just funny because we really became friends first and mm. i think because neither one of us actually thought of each other as each other's types i wasn't looking for a relationship and really neither was jeremy mm. um we we let our guards down with each other. And I think because we were totally just transparent with each other and kind of vulnerable, we ended up connecting a lot mm. deeper early on. And I was so intrigued by Jeremy's testimony. I was coming out of a, a rather just a harder time in my life spiritually. And I couldn't believe the faith that he had um, to go through such an insane trial as watching your wife mm. die and be with her in suffering and looking after her and all of that and literally turn around and say, God, I don't understand. And this is so hard, but I still trust you. And that stuff, you don't make that up. You know, you don't Mm -hmm. go through trials like that and just know the right Christian thing to say. That's really where the rubber meets the road, where true character comes out. And I was so blown away by Jeremy's faith. And then equally, I was blown away by Melissa's faith as well, Mm -hmm. because of the same thing. It's like, as a young girl, you don't go through staring cancer in the face 
and your response is that you want your life to be used by God to touch other people. I mean, just such a selfless response. And both of them had such tender, sweet spirits. Um, and I was just totally blown away. So I would just sit and kind of quiz him and ask him tons and tons of questions, which I think was very healing to my heart as I was being inspired by their faith, but it was mm-hmm. also equally healing to Jeremy's heart as he was sharing sort of God's hand in all of those things. And so little did we know that God was kind of drawing us to each other um, through that building of friendship, you know, and then somewhere along the line, I would be like wondering, where's Jeremy? And then kind of catch myself going, oh my gosh, why do I even care where he is? (laughs) 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 And I think he kind of had the same thing too. Yeah. It happened to me too. We're on tour and she definitely was not my type. She'd be on stage, like rocking it out, head banging (laughs) and doing this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool, but not my thing. But we became friends and I was cool with it. But you know, one, one day, um, we basically, you know, I hadn't seen her for a couple of days and I was like, where's she at? I kind of miss her. And so we, you know, we did the whole thing. I wrote her a note, said, do you like me? Circle yes or no. Yeah. No, I didn't do that. But oh my gosh, I was like, yes. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't do that. But <laughs> we did tell each other. We liked each other. And that's kind of how the story began. But I'll share the funniest story. So, oh, yes. you know, we went out and it's, it's in the, the book, you know? Yeah. And so we went out one time because I was going to break up with her after we kind of told each other we liked each other. And I just kind of felt guilty because of what I'd been through. I felt like it wasn't, it was too soon. And so I'm like, no, I can't do this. So I took her out um, to Applebee's, very romantic. And, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Hey, we were poor musicians. Yeah, we were that poor, was like yeah, next so, level for yeah, us. So I was like, <laughs> Applebee's is my place. Like, and, fancy. Yeah, 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 come on now, bring it. So I was going to break it off with her and I looked at her literally and I just said, do you feel like you can marry me? Instead of saying, do you want to break, oh, break it up? And she goes, Yes. And I went, okay. Then we just sat there and shared each other for a while, kind of picking at our food because it was more like I wasn't going to play games. I'd been through a mm-hmm. hardship and, but that's what came out. And if she would have at all delayed in her response, I would have been like, cool, I'm out, you know, wow. because I wasn't going to play games. And so I think, you know, being very upfront about our intentions, mm-hmm. not playing games was a massive part of us starting our relationship. And I think that's what built a great foundation. We were friends we were very upfront, honest, and forthright, and we weren't trying to put our best foot forward. And mm-hmm. I think that's what happens in relationships is you're looking for somebody so desperately that you try to put your best mm-hmm. foot forward, and you really don't understand who the person really is until the rubber meets yeah. the road, until sometimes it's too late. So Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And even as both of you guys were talking, I was thinking about just – like the blessing and curse of online dating, like, you know, thank God for technology and we can meet more people that way. But I think so often what can happen is we can flatten multifaceted and multidimensional people to like in three seconds, looking at someone's profile, do they fit the resume of what I think I want? And the resume of even good things, like, do they love Jesus? Like do they have character, integrity, which can be really hard to decide in five seconds over sometimes it's not you're like okay like shots off people's bellies like probably not (laughs) my person right now but I think something that I'm constantly intrigued about and I ask like all my friends that are married this especially if they started out as friends is you know you talk about like hey this person wasn't my type and I have enough friends that aren't married now that say like I the person I'm with today like at the beginning, I never would have guessed like this would be my person. Yeah. Um, so one of my questions is a, like were even though you were like not necessarily interested, was there like sexual attraction there? So that's the first question. And then the second question is, do you think sexual attraction can grow if it's not there initially? Yes. Yeah. I mean, obviously I, I wasn't, I mean, I thought Jeremy, I knew he was a good looking guy, but again, he wasn't what I thought I was going going for. His look, you know, even though, which, which is so funny because I think back now, like today, he'll walk into the room and I literally will just go, oh my gosh, my husband is so handsome. I love him. So much. You know what I mean? And so to, to answer both of those questions, initially, I, it, I wasn't blown away by his look, you know, mm-hmm. and absolutely, yes, I think, sexual attraction can. I think too often people place that as the most important thing. Mm -hmm. You've got to understand, I'm just going to be real candid here. In Mm -hmm. order for me to make love to my husband, like he needs to be loving me well. 
I don't mm-hmm. care what he looks like. There needs to be relationship of depth and honor and respect there in order for me to love him with my body. And mm-hmm. so we place so much emphasis on physical things, but that's so fleeting. And it's like when you've been married for as long as we have, if Jeremy and I, it doesn't matter how hot he is, like I need him to be loving me well. And and loving well is is being there with somebody through the thick and the thin of Jeremy knows my worst. He's seen me at my worst and yet he still chooses to love me. It's like there's a commitment there and it's not just about this chemistry that we have, you know? Well, yeah. And that's, I think that's the key, what you just said is like for me, I, it, I wasn't initially attracted to her. So I was kind of different in that aspect. And then that grew as I became friends with her and then she became very beautiful to me. And then now I recognize just her beauty but it was a thing that keep def- on talking. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, yes. So, what else? What else? <laughs> so it did. So it did grow. You know, it wasn't the initial. Mm-hmm. And so I think that people they sometimes you know they just want chemistry and mm-hmm. want to keep it there. And then then what you said, but it's really about commitment because those mm-hmm. things don't last. Not that you don't have chemistry still. There's times you're like, oh, those are all those are there f- fully. But there's really it's a commitment that is a binding agreement mm-hmm. that you said, God, I'm this person I'm going to marry, I'm going to love till death do us part. And that's really, that's, you have to ask the Lord since she said, God, I made a commitment. You got to give me love for my spouse right now that I don't have, you know, and that's the component in it when you're not feeling it because feelings are fleeting. Mm -hmm. You have to ask the Lord to give you because you have said, God, I want to make a commitment and I know you'll give me the ability to walk through this correctly. So... This episode of the Refined Collective Podcast is brought to you by my very own free guide for single women, six tips to activate your dating life. Raise your hand if dating as a woman of faith in today's swipe right, swipe left culture has ever felt like a total struggle fest. Or maybe being single in our culture today feels overwhelming, lonely, discouraging, frustrating. And maybe if you're being really honest, It can even feel hopeless. Listen, single gal to single gal, I totally get it. But did you know that doing the same thing over and over again while expecting different results is known as the insanity cycle? Friend, it is time to walk into a freeing, exciting, and purpose-filled season of singleness. It's time to activate your dating life. I created a free guide for you, and by free, I mean zero dollars, called Six Tips to Activate Your Dating Life to equip you to shake things up in your season of singleness. You can grab it right now at bit.ly slash TRW dating tips. Now you will walk away knowing number one, the biggest mindset shift that will transform how you show up in your dating life. Number two, I'm going to teach you how to get unstuck in your dating life. And three, I will show you the number one thing you can start doing today that will radically change your season of singleness. And finally, the three things I wish someone would have told me 10 years ago about dating. You don't have to wander around for years like I did, insecure, uncertain, and discouraged about your dating or lack thereof life. So if any of this resonates with you, pause and go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash T-R-W dating tips and grab your free guide. Again, that's bit.ly slash T-R-W dating tips. All right, let's get back to it. You know, when we think about like what we're looking for in marriage, you know, and in that person, I mean, I think so often I can only speak for myself and I know largely just more so from the Christian perspective of, you know, we say, or I say, oh, I want a guy that loves Jesus. I want a guy that has integrity, but really it's like, I want a guy that's super hot. Right, right, right. <laughs> and if he loves Jesus, that is even better. And so I think something, the older I've gotten, though, I think there's things that have become more important to me that weren't as important maybe if I would have gotten married at 20 or 21. Like, I think now things like, how does this person... Um, obviously like Jesus, integrity, character, vision for their yeah, life, like yeah. yes. Um, but more so now, like things like being able to laugh with someone. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, I cannot laugh with this person. There's no future here. Yeah, <laughs> like, for sure. Um, 
And then also like, do we play well together? Like, you know, there's like, yes, sexual chemistry is important, but the average American has sex once a week. Right. And let's say, let's be generous and say that that takes an hour. Right. So for the other 167 hours of the week, like who's the person that I want to 100%. be with? Exactly right. And that's why, I mean, I, intentionally when we wrote the book, we used the word friendship over and over mm. and over because I wanted people to You're get- You're living the life for that person. That's exactly right. I wanted people to get the message that this is an investment into a friendship. Mm. The same way with us as girls, Right. We invest into our friendships with one another. We open up about where we are and and where we are in our emotional well-being and the things that God's showing us. And we're investing time and effort and we enjoy one another and we laugh with one another and we send each other memes and funny jokes and <laughs> you're building in a friendship. And really marriage is the same, you know, mm-hmm. except for obviously um, it's a whole lot more fragile and there's a whole more many more dy- <laughs> dynamics and benefits and all of that fun stuff mm-hmm. as well. Um, but it's a friendship and you're on the same team. You've got to build something together, you know? Yeah. Oh, so good. Something that throughout your book, you said a couple of times, um, you said like early on in your relationship, um, I think Adrian, you said that's like, you made a deal, like, don't say you're okay with something when you're not like, keep it simple and uncomplicated. Um, and then later on you say like relationship games only hurt. There's never a winner. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, that is like a word right there. And I was just curious, like, are there other things in your relationship that you guys have kind of like, as time has progressed, like, hey, this is how we're doing this. Like, here's how we're going to (laughs) fight. Here's how we're going to like, here's how we're going to reconcile. Like, here's how we're going to talk to each other in public. Like, what are some of those other things that you guys have made a commitment to each other in that sense? Well, I think in a a massive way is, is, you know, how we fight is completely different. You know, she wants mm-hmm. to deal with it right away. And sometimes it takes me a while to process. And mm-hmm. we had to learn that because, you know, her pressing in and trying to push to, to figure it out right away would make me even more and more angry. And it would mm-hmm. get very volatile and just be, be so frustrated and sometimes yelling and you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I just needed to, to take a step back. So then we had to make this deal to saying, listen, there's times I need to process. And she goes, but I need to let, I need to know that you will want to deal with it at some point and not mm. take too long. You know what I mean? Not take days to like sit there and not deal with it. I'll go ahead. And- I was going to say, I initially perceived Jeremy's need to process as not being committed to dealing with uh, things. And, and it felt like rejection to me. It felt like mm. he's not as committed to this as I am. And that's where I was coming from emotionally. So it was really hard for me at first to go, wait, you need space you know, mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, but this is us being committed and we're going to stick this out and figure this out together. Right. And then when I realized, oh, he just needs a breather. Like he needs to gather his thoughts and figure out what he feels about this and even think through some of the things that I've brought mm-hmm. to him or the issues that I have, you know what I mean? And so, um, we just, we had to just learn those places of grace, I think for each other along the way mm-hmm. and realizing, you know, in relationships and in marriage, it's not about becoming the same person you're, you're still two individuals, but you're one together. You're the same team. So it doesn't mean that Jeremy and I are going to end up being the exactly, exactly the same human being. We're still going to be completely different, but we're going to grow in understanding for where each other are coming from. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it too is just really, you know, going along the lines of saying, don't say you're okay. If you're not, we can't, read each other's minds. And I think it's very mm-hmm. unfair for the other person to, to assume that you're supposed to know that you should know that I want you to be with me and not go out with your friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. very unfair. And it's, it's not healthy at all. It's dysfunctional and mm-hmm. it's a game in a sense. And I think that the healthy communication is saying, Hey, you know what? I actually feel like I would love for you to, I just feel like we need to spend some time and connect with one another. And then you need to be as a spouse that, gracious person to say, okay, you know, I, uh, then I want to adhere to that because if you don't let things go on, then you harbor resentment in your heart. And that thing, if you don't deal with it right away, it does grow. Mm-hmm. Even that one thing will continue to grow and everything that the person does, um, if they ever go out with their friends again, even if it's in six months, the next time they do, they'll be frustrated for no reason. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you frustrated? You know, because they held that and harbored that bitterness in their heart of something that they thought you should have known already. And that's just mm-hmm. unhealthy. And I think too, with that being said, you know, we cannot, I think the idea of getting married sometimes to people is like, I'm finally going to be completed and fulfilled. 
That's mm. a false yeah. statement right there because only Christ can fulfill you and complete all your needs. And when you look to each other to fulfill those needs that only Jesus can, that's when all the conflict arises. And so, you know, Adrian says something to me one time. She goes, you know, hey, Jeremy, I, I love you. Because I was battling with being gone so much and almost like this pressure of like trying to do everything. And I was always feeling guilty. And she goes, you know, I love you with all my heart. And you are the one God has put in my life. You're the man of my dreams, all that. But you say, I don't know if you said man of my dreams, but anyway, I'm just kidding. Um, maybe, so maybe hot, I, you're amazing. Maybe I made you're that up, but you're, uh, <laughs> you're handsome and you, your arms are awesome. Anyway, but, uh, but she said, I don't need you as much as you think I do. And Ooh. it was a beautiful, it, it wasn't even a slight. It was like, hey, I, Jesus is the one that, that gives me all that I need. Now, it doesn't mean that she's saying, I don't need anything from you because mm. Jesus gives me all my needs. It's just saying, listen, I, I'm not looking to you to fulfill those things in those places that only Jesus can. And so you know, off. the pressure is off. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that I don't do what I'm called to do as a husband at all. It doesn't mean that I negate my responsibility. That's not what I'm saying. She's just saying that I want to let you know that Christ is my fir- the first in my life. And mm. that should be a, a good thing because some people will take that, some people that, that are looking to their spouses for that affirmation will take that as almost a, um, well, but I want to be almost like number one. And you don't mm. want to be number one because then they're going to look to you to be number one and that's going to cause some major issues. And so it's actually better for them to go, I want Jesus to be my number one and to fulfill all, all of my needs because what will happen is he will empower you to actually live out what you're called to be as a spouse. Mm-hmm. I recognized early on as well that when I was looking, if I look to Jeremy to fulfill my heart completely, and if I'm looking at our marriage relationship to be the thing that gets me through always, mm-hmm. it really creates in the complicated, needy, insecure mess in my head. But if I'm looking to Jesus, and I really, really mean this, if I'm looking to the Lord to give me my worth and my identity and for me to find my security in Him, it enables me to be freer in my relationship with Jeremy. And I'm not looking to him because he's imperfect. And the reality mm-hmm. is it doesn't matter how many romantic comedies we watch, we're not going to find a perfect human being on earth to be with. Mm-hmm. Those guys do not exist. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's why we, we watch those movies sometimes and there's this longing inside of us that we're missing out on something, even for people who are married. And the truth of the matter is those relationships don't really exist. I'm not saying you won't have those moments between each other. And of course, romance is beautiful and that love one mm-hmm. is beautiful, but we have to know that we are completed in Christ first mm-hmm. before we're looking to each other. And it's out of that abundance and that overflow of an amazing relationship with the Lord, we're able to operate with each other. 2020 is in full swing and I don't know about you, but I am here for it. I'm also here, human to human, to ask you for support. Help me, friend, to help you. The Refine Collective podcast is one of my most favorite projects that I have ever worked on in my career, but it is definitely a labor of love. We have quite a bit of hard cost each month from software and subscription services to my team who edit and produce the episodes to licensing music and running logistics for all things Refined Collective. Now, because of that, I want to invite you, yes, you, to join our Patreon community. Patreon is this incredible platform that helps listeners financially support their favorite podcasts. You can support the Refined Collective podcast for as little as $5 a month. And we made a bunch of fun different tiers that are jam-packed with free goodies and VIP access to our newest content. And you will be notified before anyone else about our upcoming live events. I'll also be going to you first to find out what questions you want answered and what topics you want covered moving forward. So in the midst of a wild year, I want to ask you, friend, if you'd be willing to link arms with my team and me and sharing some of the load and helping make the Refine Collective podcast the best it can possibly be. So if you want to learn more or sign up today, head on over to patreon.com slash the Refine Collective. Again, that's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash the Refine Collective. Thank you so, so much for being a part of this community. A question that's coming to my mind that I'm so curious what you guys think about is I... 
for a long time now have wondered like why are so many people my age single? I I'm a millennial. I'm well, I'm on the older end of the right. millennial <laughs> and I live in New York City. 80% of the people in my church are single. Wow. And, you know, it's, it's not just like, we're not just like a college ministry. This is like people in their thirties, mid forties, like successful careers, like loving God, pursuing God. And like, it's like crickets, crickets, like why, like there's all these single people here. Why aren't we dating? And it's everything that you just said about like, we're looking like when we, when I look for one person to meet Basically, when I'm looking for my husband to be God, like I am like set up for failure. I'm setting him up for failure before we even like take one step forward. And it's just it's made me wonder if this is a reason why so many of people in my generation are single is because we're looking for this one person to like not only be like the perfect lover, the perfect spouse, the perfect parent, the perfect, like funny, best friends, like financial stability, like everything. And I've just been like, am am I, are we looking for one person to be too much? Absolutely. I I, I think that, oh, go ahead, baby. Oh no, I was going to say, I think, you know, we live in such a I don't know, highly, yeah, I was just about to say (laughs) media driven. We're so, we literally take our cues from Mm. our culture, you know? And so I think you hit the nail on the head. It's like, we're literally looking for perfection in one another. You know, you've got Mm. lines from movies like Jeremy Maguire, like you complete me. And we've been told all this thing, like you, they lived happily ever after, you know, after after day one of getting married, you know, and all these things that have almost been drilled into us again i'm not trying to knock the like romantic comedy things i mean who doesn't love a great romantic comedy right but it's like we're setting up our ourselves to this something that doesn't actually exist and it's really all the narrative of the world you know god Mm. has said to us from day one i'm your lover i'm Mm. your best friend i'm the one that you're supposed to find your completion and your heart completely in me and from those places i mean i'm not to I mean, for those who've been raised in the church, it's like, this is a scripture we know so well. Seek me first, seek the kingdom of God first, and all these things will be added unto you. And it's like, we almost know it so well that we've stopped paying attention to it. Mm -hmm. Literally, we're so, like, we've got to find our worth in Christ first, you know? I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, there's still areas Jeremy and I will butt heads on. And, and I mean, that's really? why we, we the unfinished story yeah. because we know We're like, there's so much more growth. You know, I mm-hmm. look at my mom and dad, they've been married for over 40 years and, and have gone through literally like hell and high water. I mean, they've gone through so mm-hmm. much hardship together and I'm looking at their marriage now and going, they're finally getting to a place where I see this beautiful freedom in their marriage because they mm-hmm. stuck it out, you know? And I think that we almost devalue love for something to, like we were saying earlier on, that it's all about chemistry and it's about how you make me feel. Um, and really love is something that needs to be there for one another. That that's, you're going through thick and thin together. You know, when, when, when you're going through the hard times and you're really seeing kind of the grossness about each other of being friends. And as you would your girlfriend, you know, you would, you would stick around with her on her hardest days. And we're supposed to do that in, in our marriages with one another, instead of going, well, I'm mad at you right now because you make me feel a certain way and I'm out. You know what I mean? Or we get our hearts hard towards one another because we're not meeting each other's expectations when again, our like our expectations are set up in all the wrong places. Well, Kat, you got to think about this. Like I thought about this when you were talking, you know, in the Old Testament back in the day or even, well, even in some cultures today, there's arranged marriages and they're basically saying, yeah. hey, learn how to love each other. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm not saying I'm not saying have arranged marriages. My point is, is that there's there's something to be said about you learn to love one another. That's yeah, really about your commitment really, to each yeah. other. Luckily, we don't have to do that. But, we, but <laughs> scary thought, right? <laughs> it's very scary to think about. But the point is, is that you learn to love one another truly. Yeah. You know, not about what you know. Now, the great thing about what we can do now in our culture is that we can understand who the person is and how they are around other people. You know, they're not putting their best foot forward. You're seeing how they serve people, you know, watch that and be friends with them first um, before you kind of make a 
confession or a profession of, of love or, mm-hmm. or you like somebody because they will put their best foot forward and see them for who they really are, how, how they are with people and, and loving them and, and worship. And, you know, yeah. I think that's so, that's so good. And it's so important. And I mean, I have, I have girls from all over the world on a monthly basis asking me like, you know, how do I like get past this barrier, you know? And, um, I, I honestly don't know the answer to that question. Um, and, but however, I think so much of what y'all are saying is so important, like kind of starting with like, I think in my heart, I think where things get shifted is, am I making marriage ultimate? Am I, yeah. am, am, am I looking for one person to meet all these 50 needs? And yeah. I remember I was having a, a conversation with a guy who's not my friend anymore. Um, but <laughs> nice. um, I remember like, I, cause I just kept getting stuck in the friend zone and I was like, what the hell? I am like mayor right. of the friend zone city here. And I don't know why I keep <laughs> stuck in this zone. And I was friends with this guy for a really long time. And I started realizing this pattern of like, there were a lot of female friends in his life. And one day I was like, I know why you're single. (laughs) He was like, why? And I was like, well, because with me, we can talk about God and then we can, you know, watch Beyonce videos with this person over here. You have like work conversations with, but this person over here, you're having conversations about philosophy. And then you get on your dating app and you go on some dates and you have some like physical connection with girls. And then you're having, you're in this perfect scenario to never meet one person because no one person can fulfill what these 30 women are. Oh, so, there right? you go. Yeah. And he yeah. didn't like it when I said that. Good for <laughs> you though. That's so, That's true, so though. good. That's so true. But it's, it's easy t- for me to just look at and see that that person is doing that. But how am I showing up? Am I doing that? Am I putting expectations? Am I wanting one person to meet all these other needs? Because I think it's easy to, whether it's like in a marriage, like only focusing on your spouse's weaknesses as opposed to like, well, how can I show up differently? How can I love well? How can I be a good friend to this person? Um, Yeah. In the book, we uh, we wrote a line of um, what's it like to be married to you? You know, we're so good at picking the other person's weaknesses apart. And I mean, you could even ask yourself that in a friend, in a friend way, Mm -hmm. what what kind of a friend are you? You know, you might look at your other friends or look at your husband or whatever, your your partner and just go, you know, you're bad in these areas. And Mm. (laughs) what about you? Totally, (laughs) totally. Because, you know, back to the guy, like I was by my actions saying, it's okay for you to treat me like this. Exactly. So like I needed to work on my own worth and I needed to work on my own self and take responsibility. So one, one of the things that you guys talk about, like near the end of your book, which I freaking love is hindsight is 2020. Um, And man, isn't that the truth though? You're like, dang. (laughs) Um, And so I think just kind of wrapping up a little bit, I would love to hear like how you guys, you know, you're 17 years in, you have three kids, you, you're, you're not just like coasting in your life. You just put out a movie and two books this year. (laughs) Um, And so what are you guys doing right now to sew into your relationship today for, to set yourself up for success for the next 50? I, I, I think for me, I mean, my most important thing is making sure that I'm connected to Jesus. Um, Mm. if things are dry in my relationship with the Lord, essentially they're dry everywhere else. Mm. And so I, I mean, even the other day, I've just been praying, you know, I was raised in the church. I've been saved almost my entire life. I've never not Mm. known Jesus. I've always had him a part of my life, but my prayer was Jesus be new to me. You know, Mm. let me experience you the way I did when I first committed my heart to you and I first surrendered everything to you. Like let that newness and in essence, that first love, just renew that in my heart, you know, because, um, and I think as I'm doing that in my relationship with him, I'm also then doing it in my relationship with Jeremy of just going father, like let my love for Jeremy be new again. Let me love him the way that I'm supposed to love him. Even after years, you know, when we've been together for so long, we've done things to hurt each other. We've done things that are hard that we've had to get over and forgive and choose to have a soft heart towards each other. 
But again, I'm not trying to sound, sound redundant, but it has to come from my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. You know, where I'm getting on my knees and just going, Lord, I don't, I don't know if I have the strength to face another day, or I don't know that I have the strength to forgive Jeremy again or whatever it is. And just getting on my knees and being honest and transparent with him going, Jesus, I need you to give me the love that I need for even God. Like if you don't have a love for the Lord, be honest with him. God, I don't have a love for you. Renew those things in me first, you know, be the the first love of my heart. Yeah. Amen. I mean, to piggyback off that, what you just said, about how if your relationship with Jesus is dysfunctional in a sense, then everyone in your relationships will be dysfunctional with your, you know, your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, all of it, because that's kind of where it flows from or stems from. I think some practical things too, of of making sure that we sow into our marriage and for the future is we're very intentional practically about going to do dates together and going on coffee, like doing things that we love to do together. Like we love coffee. So we go on coffee dates or we've been going for bike rides, bike rides together. (laughs) Yeah. So we're able to go outside and do a bike ride, which is nice during quarantine. Um, you know, we're staying safe. Don't worry. But my point (laughs) is is that, you know, it's, it's those type things that we realize in the beginning, we probably weren't the best at because Mm -hmm. you're in a sense in survival mode and didn't realize that you have to constantly connect with the heart of your spouse, not just Mm -hmm. connect, you know, physically or, um, connect practically, but on a heart level. And so those things, when you do those things or go out for coffee or dinner, it's asking those questions like, how's your heart? You know, basically not just how are you doing? How's your heart? Mm-hmm. How are, how are we doing? You know, my wife will say, how are we doing? Are we doing okay? Mm-hmm. You know, and really talking through, are there things that, that I've done that have frustrated you? What what can we work on? I mean, actually being practical. And I think that's what we didn't really do in the beginning was more like, okay, I just want to, you know, survive or, or make sure everything's, you know, flowing that nicely and there's no conflict. And then you start having conflict and then you just kind of like, okay, you get through the conflict and you're fine. But this is actually cultivating a, a, a deeper friendship for the future. And that's, you know, and I think honestly with this book too, you know, talking about having you know, a marriage book and why, why should single people read it is because we, we all need tools to put into our tool belt to help mm-hmm. prepare us for the unknown and yeah. to know that, you know, there's practical things to learn from, from people that have been doing this for a long time of how to walk into something properly. And so yeah. I think that it's very important to not read a marriage book when it's too late, when all of a sudden you're married and you've hardened your heart and you're like, you know what, I'm done. I'm not saying don't do that. Read a marriage book because it's never too late. But people will like try to fix things when it's like, oh, it's very broken. Let's do things right. to fix it instead of, hey, let's actually build a very good foundation that it won't tumble and fall after two years. Yeah. yeah oh. There's that saying, you know, the seeds we sow today is the harvest we'll reap tomorrow. Yeah. And I think oftentimes we look ahead and we want the harvest, but we're not willing to do the hard work today, yeah. you know, um, and in relationships and our life and everything. And it really is about like cultivating that today. You know, what do I need to do today yeah. for the goals that I want to reach down the line? Yeah. Ooh, that's good. We want the harvest, but not want to do the work. Yeah. <laughs> that is like a word. I just, I'm like furiously typing that down. Yes. Oh. Oh. Um, so I think in line with that, like I can't help but think of, you know, as a single person in my thirties who desires relationship, marriage, family, kids, all the things. Like when I think of my life and so many of our lives as single people, it's like, well, you know, if my roommate gets on my nerves, I can go to my room. I, I'm not sharing a bed with her or a bank account or family drama. Like, and if all else fails, we don't have to live together anymore. Um, so what would you guys say as like two single people, like what can we do to cultivate, to be ready for the harvest, you know? Cause I think there's, it's almost like, I try to think of like, what's something that can set me up to be ready for a commitment, like something that I can show up to even when I don't want to, cause marriage isn't all fun and games. Like how can single people in a culture that is just so about instant gratification and like slap a filter on it? Um, <laughs> how can we prepare for that? Well, I think, I mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Oftentimes in our friendships around us, if somebody drives you crazy, you're like, okay, peace out. I'm just going to log into my Instagram right now and scroll for Mm -hmm. a few hours and I don't have to talk to you and I don't have to deal with it because I'm not going Mm -hmm. home with you or whatever it is, you know? And one thing that we've been trying to instill in 
to our kids, and it's something that we practice in our marriage, obviously, is dealing with conflict. Because, mm-hmm. you know, even some of um, my girl, my, we've got two teenage daughters. And so obviously there's girl drama, right? But mm-hmm. we're telling them, like, oh, yeah. stick it out. Have the hard conversations. Because even though now, like, you're not going to be married to that person, you know, and, and maybe, you know, those girls or, or guy friends or whatever will, will eventually in five years, they not, may not be in your life anymore, but those conflict situations enable you to be, to learn, to be a better friend and to learn to be a better human overall. You know, you're learning to communicate and give grace to the other person to realize they have value and they have a perspective that it's so good to get to know. Um, especially when there's somebody that's different from you, um, and I feel like those things in relationship will set you up for one day when you are in marriage, you know? Um, and one thing as well, this is changing the subject a little bit. When I, before I met Jeremy, I remember having a conversation with one of my friends going, oh my gosh, there's no good godly guys around you. Like, Where are all the good guys? <laughs> you know? yeah. And um, funny enough, she actually said to me, there's this guy, Jeremy Camp, you need to meet him. And I was like, nope, heard his music, not my type. <laughs> totally <laughs> wrote him True story. It's true story. But in that season, I totally made a vow to just, and I didn't put like an X amount of days on it or anything Mm. like that, but I just made a prayer and a vow in my heart that I really wanted that season to be me and the Lord. Um, Mm. And again, I mean, it's just was finding my identity in him. I'd actually just come out of a a relationship. Um, It had been about a year, whatever it was since then, but I was still just sort of struggling from insecurities and some of that stuff. Mm. And I just felt like there was sort of heart surgery and work that God needed to do in my life first before I even wanted to be in a relationship. And so mm-hmm. I started dealing with my own issues and my own junk in a sense before I met Jeremy, which I think sort of set this tone of in the rest of our marriage as well, that it's like, I, I'm not expecting Jeremy to be a part of some of mm-hmm. that hard work. You know, I'm doing the work in my own heart actively. Mm-hmm. I was then before I met him and I'm still doing that now. And he needs to do the same thing on his part, you know? So mm-hmm. I think as singles, we can do that sort of heart searching work and seeking the Lord work before we meet somebody else, you know, that I think is essential to healthy relationships. You mentioned the scripture earlier, but I love explaining it this way. A lot of people were the scripture that says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Everyone kind of has that, that mindset of seek God's kingdom and his and who he is so that these things will be added unto you. Mm-hmm. And I always like to say, hey, just stop there. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, period. And I think when we're seeking him to, to find a reward, um, mm-hmm. we're not going to find that because he's already given us the greatest reward and that's the gift of eternal life, you know, and grace mm-hmm. and forgiveness. So it's not like he's not going to give us anything else besides that, but seek him just to seek him. Seek him to... Mm-hmm. Like Adrian was saying, have your heart be prepared and ready just to be um, before him. And naturally those things will be added unto you, but don't do it because you want those things to be added unto you. So good. Um, Well, guys, man, thank you so much for sharing your heart, your wisdom, your story. I just feel really, really blessed. And I feel like I just got like a dating coaching session. (laughs) (laughs) We're really thankful that we're the first married couple on your part. Thank you. Guys, it's going to be a tough act to follow. (laughs) I'm just going to say that right now. Um, And where can people get their hands on your new book? Where can they watch? I still believe all the things. Yeah. So really, um, Amazon is the best for all that. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. in unison is on Amazon, Amazon, my, I still believe book. I still believe is Amazon, you know, uh, video, but it's also, if you don't have Amazon, there's other outlets too, even for the movie as well. You know, you have Google play and Apple TV and all that as well. Any video on demand, infinity or direct TV. And then, um, yeah, at AD Camp. Yeah, for Instagram. Instagram at Jeremy Camp Official. Yeah, this is fun stuff. Just check out more of what we're doing. Well, thank you so much for what you are putting out in the world. And yeah, just very grateful for your time and your story. And hopefully we can hang out in real life one day. I'm just going to put that out there. Yes, come awesome. on. <laughs> we come to Brooklyn and we'll, we'll hang out. I'm oh sure we'll be doing Absolutely. a show there in the future. So. Oh my gosh. Yes. After all this quarantine is over, I Amen. can't wait. <laughs> all right. We all take care. All right, thanks, Kat. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. 
thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. If you are new here, maybe you've listened for a long time and there's topics, questions, comments, concerns that you have about what we're up to, follow us on Instagram, The Refined Woman. Send me a DM and I will get back to you and let me know what you want to hear about. Let me know what you want to talk about. And I would love to make that happen for you. Have such a fabulous day. (laughs) Bye.